around so I can see you because I'm facing the wrong direction and it would work better if I can see my wife. So anyway, let's do another week of podcasty. I did. I talked about the, um, it is a, it's, it's funny because it is a gorgeous day and life goes on. I was, um, Makai and I went up to Seattle today for a, uh, meeting with her manager and, uh, which went real well, but I was driving up there and I had, um, we were listening to Ecclesiastes one through three. And so we watched kind of a video wow. online about kind of a summary of Ecclesiastes, which is life is a grasp of wind, a puff of smoke. Yeah, Enjoy right. the moments while you can, because they don't last at all. And that's just the way of reality of it all. Yeah, um, true. what I thought was interesting was, uh, the, um, well, it was, you already said it uh, earlier. We were talking, it's, um, it's a, t- it's been a tough week. It has been. We you had, were, um, you were talking about some things on Sunday that you had seen. Yeah. Know. Well, I saw, I mean, it's was all over the local news anyway. I mean, the Google building in Seattle had a crane collapse and fell right down on Mercer Avenue, killing four, two of them on the crane, two of them on the ground. Just in their crushed, cars, like crushed. Six cars, though it said. So yeah, it was, there were people who weren't. There were several people that got away. A mother and a child got away, and um, but that that street is six lanes wide, and it's one of the major thoroughfares. And it happened about three twenty, I think, is what the reporters said. It was three twenty in the afternoon, and where you had just been, right? <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't been on Mercer yet, but I was there at 3:20 and I saw a bunch of emergency response vehicles fly past me and I was like that's a lot of vehicles, wonder what's going on kind of thing. So I was near curious <laughs> and didn't know and the next thing I went I was all the way up in um, Everett, which is half an hour north. And um, as I started making my way back, I saw um, <laughs> the Olympia newspaper article popped up and said crane falls down in Seattle killing four like going so Olympia tells me about where I'm at and what's going on <laughs> I was kind of shook by it I think because like a lot of Seattleites were there's so many of us you know go past that mm-hmm. every and day there are cranes all over the place well there's that 60 area plus and... cranes or maybe more than that in the city it's one of the largest crane populations <laughs> <laughs> because they're always building or because it's just and it's different cargo needs and stuff they use them a lot of quite a bit right yeah yeah and um what was it was a really strange day i didn't i didn't even tell you this story um that i was driving down um along the waterfront and i not only did i that happen but um, a couple of hours earlier than i was driving along the waterfront and i think i watched someone watch their dog die Mm -hmm. um because i remember when i was walking Sadie yeah. and she seized up. I was on, three, she was on the leash and she fell yeah. down and she just seized, had a seizure and died and how traumatic that was. And I looked out the corner of my eye and I saw a little poodle, just a little toy, just doing the same Stripping. thing on the ground. And I was going, Oh man. And it would know it was right before the crane went down, but I didn't know about it. So it was just like, this is just, a, this is, that's, oh, this is a, that's not a good thing to see today. Kind of thing. Just kind of just blew it off. But that was Saturday and Sunday. You got bad news. Was it Sunday or? Yeah, I think I it was like Sunday, it was wasn't it? it? Yeah, because it was they hadn't gone to school or I don't remember when it was. It's only Wednesday, so it's everything's happened pretty in a tight window. Yeah, I feel like it was maybe Monday, but because um, we were, I don't remember where we were, but um, yeah, it was a a friend of my niece's who was in her, a car with her father and her brother and both her and her father were killed and 
her brother was in critical condition, so it left the mother um, alone to find this information out. It's just, it's heavy because I, this was a 12 or 13 year old girl um, and who, you know, is goes to school with or is friends with same age group. It just, it, it hits you because you think of all these young kids trying to deal with life ending at their young age, which at those ages, you, you don't really consider that unless you have something nearby. I remember when my grandmother passed away and my mom was devastated by that and it was hard for me, but harder to watch the others around you struggle, I think, because at that age, you don't really grasp what that means. You know that you have to say goodbye and it was difficult, but you don't understand that the brevity of life, I guess, something like that, you know, because you, you think you have yeah, your life in front of you. You don't have, uh, it's, I mean, what, how old was, she's 14, your, your niece, our niece, our niece, uh, I forget, yeah, <laughs> it's our niece. Close to 14, I think she turns 14 in the next couple months. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that's got to be hard because it's got to be, first of all, you, you don't know how to feel. You don't know how to respond. You've got someone you won't, you won't see anymore. And then you've got to consider, you know, you start to try to consider what it means to that that mother and that. Sure. So those are deeper issues that you haven't really dealt with, I guess, at that young age is what I was thinking. So I, it, it's painful. It's painful anytime. It's painful to watch. It's, you know, but this is the earthly experience. And I think when you're when you're a Christian like we are, and we believe in an afterlife and we understand that this life is short and and it's about trying to bring some meaning to what eternity will be and trusting that God's got the rest of that in his hand so we'll give him our life right now you know it helps a little because it lessens the the gravity of saying goodbye on this planet does not lessen the pain of of loss you know of the diff no i and that kind of brings difficulty. me i mean I, I was kind of i'm i'm kind of laughing on the inside a little bit because right now our neighbor is cleaning and doing it with loud music downstairs so if you're listening to this podcast and for some reason that's leaking in you know it's we, we didn't choose upbeat backup music for a conversation that seems to be a little bit um more on the sad side but i i want us to talk about that a little bit and so the, i kind of have two questions i think we can tackle today um that are pretty common and that we deal with in these things which is you know what is um it like to read without glasses um it's very no, difficult that's not it. what <laughs> Wow, dealing with tragedy, how do, how do we respond to it, and how do we comfort those in the middle of it? And what you just said, you know, is we have a view going into it that um, gives us an, a way to respond to it that's a little more, um, I guess, settled and not quite as un... Um, Be more hopeful. Yeah, more hopeful. It, like, it, there's, there's still pain. There's loss. I mean, you know... Yeah, there's it, devastation. There's complete life change yeah, well I know all dogs go to heaven still losing Sadie was tragic I mean I know because I watched the cartoon as a little yeah that's funny but that's as not a little boy no as a easy. younger adult <laughs> definitely I mean animals we take that lightly because animals are I think anyway but there's a lot of people who are devastated by the loss of an animal like a loss of a child even almost to them sometimes well, or I, a dear friend Aaliyah was really affected by that she was young but not quite so young that she had not seen that yet she had lost a rabbit when she was young whatever she'd seen it a little bit and so sure. it wasn't probably, probably as heavy to her as it could have been that way but it was devastating she was a friend you know Sadie was a friend of hers but I think animals are, are 
are a, a picture, but they're not anything like uh, losing, you know, a, a kin, a, well, a dear friend, a let's person talk about, that's near let's you. Let's talk about this first. And now you're right, they're not. But I, it's one of those things that came to my mind as you were, as we were, as I jokingly brought it up. From our perspective, I mean, if you're if you're dealing with the fact that death is a reality, life is but a wisp. You know, as I, Hannah, as Mackay and I were talking about, you know, the um, the writer of Ecclesiastes, you know, seems like he's saying, um, so therefore, just live live however you want. But even in the process of talking about that, he he even concludes, yeah, well, live like you want, but still, you're going to die. It's the great equalizer. Everyone's going to die. And it can come unannounced. You can be under a crane in Seattle. You can be driving with your family. You can be um, walking along the side of the road. And I mean, it was a dog in that case. But nonetheless, there's no guarantee. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, somebody I saw, I, was, I, I didn't note who, but some. Oh, the um, today, the uh, actor who plays Chewbacca um, died, um, passed away. Just saw that pop up in my feed a few minutes ago, right before we started. Um, I started to say taping, but what is tape anyway? Um, before we started recording, the um, the the thing that there's two things. So if I we can't address, I don't think loss from the sense of someone who doesn't have a perspective of a hereafter of what is next. Yeah, I think that we can't really grasp that. I've never really I've never really lived in that. I don't think that the majority of people do i think most human beings have a sense of something greater and the author of ecclesiastes is acknowledging that um and his conclusion is that in the end god will bring justice and our only real hope is that god will make things right eventually and therefore we should learn to enjoy the moments of life as they come whatever they are the joy well yeah enjoy them deal with them cope with them and so we can't avoid them. Life is life's out of our. I guess the thing is, life's out of our control. Well, that's what I was going to so say. So how do we grasp so the I moments? I think the hardest part of it is the the future that you've dreamed up. Like in this sense, there's a young girl now who can't live out a future, and so sure. those are the losses that are they're intangible, but they're the more devastating ones. I think if if we go as older. Um, people, we've lived a full life. We've lots of memories, and then our our children or our grandchildren understand that that was that's just inevitable. It's part of life. When you when that's stolen from you young, or what it feels like is, it's difficult to understand what the purposes were, and you know. But then there's there's many who I think it's a, also an interesting theological thought because there's many who haven't ever been born, and their whole entire Mm. experience on the earth were taken away so there's a lot of angles on the struggle there but um the only thing i know today or i think it was um yesterday we were told to pray because my niece was going to go try to talk to that mother and or just go see her and we were like what do you say you know and and my mother gave good advice You, you don't say anything you just be yeah, how do you respond them. to it? That's the question. How do you respond to it, someone in a tragedy? So we'll start there, I guess. Um, do you, you the, I think the first thing, what you're saying is you don't say anything and what your mom is saying is I think that, well, to put no it in words. a more formalized bullet point, presence is more powerful than persuasion. In other words, you don't want to try and convince 
or even tell people it's going to be okay or I understand. And I mean, you didn't lose someone. You don't understand. You didn't lose that person. You know, you don't have those memories. So presence is more powerful than trying to persuade them that you get along. Or you know, that's that's what I mean when I say that. Um, and so yeah, I'm. Well, and there you, really are no. There are no words that are fitting to bring any kind of true comfort at that moment. Eventually, there may be, but right then, those those first adjustments, probably even several weeks, there's really not words. Yeah. And maybe even eventually there really still aren't. But hopefully, eventually that person will want to talk and, and think through memories in order to to allow that person to live on, not to have not never existed. You know, that's always, I think, what the fear is that they're... My, my thoughts are the fear is that you don't... That person doesn't... The person alive doesn't want to go on. There's no reason. Why, why would you want to go on when the people you love, the people you lived for, don't exist anymore, you know? It's kind of, it's, it's kind of difficult to understand. I guess that's what I was saying by, in our Christian belief system, or maybe that's not the right way to put it, but believing in Jesus means that there's a bigger picture. So you, you might struggle to find that, especially at first, because your life is so turned upside down. But prayerfully, you can find that there's other purpose or that there's other um, reason to go on. I, I've got a, another dear lady to me who lost her husband, and, and she really struggled to try to figure out how, why why go on? What I shared all these things with him. This is what we did it together. There's nothing, you know, I can't do that all by myself now. And what what's the point kind of and She had to struggle, and she's walked with Jesus as long as I've ever known her and, and a lot longer than I've known her. And I saw her visibly, not in, in not angry, but in a in a real reactive sort of I don't know what to do now. You know, and thankfully she didn't let it turn to bitterness. But it was you could see the edges of it. I'm don't even kind of she would put her hand up. Don't even you know try. Just just let me be kind of. And I got I got that and understand it completely because you, you just have to deal you have to adjust you have to so I'm feeling for those people that that that's where their mindset and heart would be first and then hopefully like, and prayerfully you want to give them hope that they can go on you know we don't like pain we don't like grief I think we want I think the person who's not hurting or not I mean we're all hurting but the person who hasn't been directly affected by the event. Wants to well restore wants to, normality. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when you're saying, you know, she's saying, don't say anything. Don't you can't explain this to me. Yeah, you know, letting that person suffer. It's it's because it, that's yeah, what it is. You want to alleviate suffering, but it's right, super intangible. Yeah. So you can't take away that. That sucks. I mean, I'm not. Uh, the, for me, I'm, my personality is, hey, we can all be. You know, let's let's have a good time kind of thing boy that's a really bad impersonation of my personality it's probably much more <laughs> important better than that but um so I, it's really hard for me to walk into well, a hospital about, or to a place where somebody's just yeah. right on the edge of or already grieving i feel like we almost need to backtrack a little because you yeah, back it up. you should tell us how you dealt with your father passing but wow that was 30 years ago 89 well, and time so, yeah, has healed years, a lot of 30 years ago the grief, but, but you, there was a lot of different emotions I think you went through, right? That Well, my dad, 
my dad's in my relationship wasn't complicated. It was, um, what do you, I can't, just what's on your mind? Should we back up? No, I think we're fine. We, um, my, my dad's, um, relationship was with me was not, not difficult. It was, let's just say it was, I was a kid trying to find his identity and I had a dad who did the best he could to love me. So there was this always, every son wants to please his father and I never felt I could, but um, I had the f- good fortune of right before he passed away, him actually saying that he was pleased with me, that he blessed me is a better is the term that I've used a lot. He told me he was proud of me, um, but, and that was the benefit that I had of um, a painful demise for him because he died of pancreatic cancer. So he had a very painful end, but he had time to kind of close his accounts on earth, if you will. And yeah. his sons being one of those things, he told his, my he told my little brother to take care of mom, and he told me to go to college or go to grad mm-hmm. school. So. You know, my brother hasn't resented that, but every once in a while in that conversation, it's like, I didn't go to school, you did kind of thing. And so it's, maybe there's a little resentment there, but we, we get along, so it's no big deal. But but how did I deal with it? It was weird because I kind of didn't. It was like, I don't feel anything. And that's, I remember at first, well, I think, was it harder when you just first heard that he was sick? Was that the hardest? Or was it that, because I kind of remember that we had hope that we thought maybe this was just, they were going to go we do. we went like full scale prayer mode. And they I, were I remember, just going to do a, a gallbladder surgery at first, right? Yeah. Or did, that was what, where they discovered it. Um, so I do remember us being, I remember even being at the hospital with that particular surgery. And then. Yeah, I remember praying for him. I remember he's just, he was just two years older than I am now. He was 54. And. He was visiting me on college campus and drinking gallons of Pepto-Bismol. And mm. we thought something was wrong, but we thought didn't know what it was. Um, so he was just going in for gallbladder, exploratory gallbladder surgery, which mm-hmm. exploratory opened up oxygen to the cancer, causing it to rapidly grow and mm-hmm. whatever the doctors said that killed him. Um, but how I reacted to that was, you know, hopefully that God would deliver him. And I prayed and you prayed. Yeah. And I think we struggled with the fact that a lot of the people around him were like, he's a goner. And so we were like going, these faithless people are killing my dad. You know, I'm mm-hmm. young and I'm just, I don't, I mean, like I said, Ecclesiastes, like when death's coming for you, you know, yes, God may, may, but may not, but you know, yeah. the grander scheme things, that means God wasn't going to take him, I guess, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We, another conversation, but for the person in the moment, for the me in the moment, I was holding out hope. So when he finally died, I think maybe that numbness could have been related to the fact that why not? Why? I was mad at God. I remember that. I was mad that God took my dad I'm gonna stop there um, I didn't have I had a better relationship with my Were dad you? so that's what I mean mad by... mad meaning that I didn't understand that so he took him so early they took him early that? and I really I mean you and I hadn't been married yeah. a little bit more than a year and um, I knew you know I wanted to give him grandkids and gave him yeah. seven <laughs> where has he been he's him. looking down going Playing from up here, um, but the because uh, yeah, he was a playful guy. You he was. Dad was funny, and he was the kind of dad that, for me, modeled. Um, why are you doing this to me? Modeled. Uh, <laughs> is that my? Every one of my soccer games, he coached. He knew nothing about soccer, but he coached them. Because if there Not wasn't a coach, he made sure that I was there. He he was there for every little moment of lot of that mattered. And all through that time, I'm complaining because you know dad calls me names that I don't like or whatever. Um, but then he blesses me. And then I look back and all those moments he was there suddenly have light on them. And I go, wow, you know, he was important. Um, well, so what I've what observed for you, you, just, you got me grieving no, 30 okay. years later. What I observed from you though, is it really was meaningful 
in some ways for your relationship to have to say goodbye because then you reflected better on his life yeah. than you even were at that moment probably. I mean, because I remember him, he was a harsh man. He was... Um, he was gruff. Yeah. He harsh was just hot, gruff. Well, I just mean, and that's how you Gritty. saw him. You saw him as difficult, but also a people guy. So there was hero pieces was of Wayne. it that you, I was going to say, there was pieces that you admired, but you never felt quite, Including from my observation, so. quite close enough to him to, yeah. to get that, that nature really as you saw him give to other people, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But after the fact, you can reflect on he was at my soccer games, he was at my whatever, you know. So I'm saying I think the lives that we live, um, God has a purpose, and sometimes it's maybe even that way for people when they when they do pass away for us to to remember them and hold on to them, and sometimes even more fondly because we always look backwards at things more fondly than we do in the time. I don't have bad memories of my father anymore. Mm -hmm. I have funny memories of my father. That's cool. You know, like when I decided I was going to install my phone by myself back then phones had cords and you had to plug them into walls and um, the closest phone jack was in the attic over my bedroom which was the attic over the garage and I decided I was going to install it and my dad was in, down in the garage working on the car because my dad was a mechanic I can change tires and I can change brakes and oil if I'm pressed <laughs> and wiper blades but my dad could do anything he was an airplane mechanic in the Korean War and so anyway, I went out in the garage and I was going to try and um, install the phone. My dad had told me to wait until he was done with the car. I was 13. <laughs> I'd gotten a phone for Christmas and I didn't want to wait. This was a theme in my life. This is a theme in my <laughs> life. Um, and so I uh, was out in the, I stepped over and I walked to the beams. I wasn't, um, well, I slipped off the beam and I fell on the sheetrock. And so you can imagine my dad's position. He's down under the hood of the car, and all of a sudden, sheetrock and insulation is falling on his head, and he sees his little boy's feet. I was going to say, your foot? <laughs> my foot, both of them. I went down on the thing and straddled the beam. Eek. And um, my dad, I saw, heard him come up and say some really, really colorful words <laughs> and begin to reach for my feet. And I panicked, and I pulled my feet back up through the, through the roof. And all I could think was I have to hide before he gets inside. So I started down the stairs. I was, no, I, I don't remember. I hid in the closet, which was stupid because that's right where the access point was to the garage. So I didn't have anywhere. I just went in the closet and hid. And he told me to get downstairs. And then he told me he was going to spank me. And I started to run because I was going to get away from him. And he chased me down the stairs. I was going to head. I had a plan. I was going to go down the stairs, across the basement, out the basement door, and just and be gone. Run for your life. You know, after because <laughs> my dad was a marine. Man, he scared me. And um, and so when I say funny, it almost sounds like child abuse when I tell this story at this point because <laughs> no. at this point I'm running across saying he got tired of chasing me, and he, I guess he just looked over and he saw the um. If you have curls, you do curls. You got little dumbbells back then, and you had little mm -hmm. things on them. He just pulled the bell out from the curl and dummy he threw the barbell and locked my feet up and sent me tumbling nose first in the carpet Ouch. and i guess he decided because i mean i went down hard and all i remember is my dad standing over me and pointing his finger at me says don't you ever run from me again i'll consider the pain that you're in right now spanking enough <laughs> and um and, and he says and you're grounded and he took my phone away <laughs> i mean you did deserve that <laughs> i did deserve that yeah and I'm, I didn't learn anything about patching sheetrock right then. I think he just fixed it. I don't even remember how it got fixed. I just knew that was not a happy day in the Sawyer household. But, okay, this is a funny story, but way off the subject. Um, well, what what I had tried to, what I would like 
you'd express is those just like that. You the sentiments to that you could hang on to. You had thoughts that you yeah. um, regretted, kind of. But then you had really good moments at the end, so that gave you a little bit of a piece of I could say goodbye. And then you didn't really grieve, like you're saying. It took you a little while Six to kind of grieve. And then still, you grieve now and then. I mean, it, that's what yeah, even that's what part of it is. You, but you know, someone once said to me that nobody's really ever gone unless they stop having their story told, unless yeah. you stop telling their yeah, story. Exactly. Well, first off, no one's ever really forgotten unless their story's told. The Ecclesiastes thing I was mentioning earlier. The whole point was we all die, we're all forgotten. You know, life goes on. <laughs> but the reality of that is, is if you live your life with some purpose and some meaning, you're going to impact people. And my dad did live his life to raise his family. He did live his life to to impact his sons. And so I still carry his legacy. I wish my grandchildren had met him, his grandchildren and my grandchildren mm-hmm. had met him so that they would have some stories to tell and to carry on. Because I think he's the kind of guy that just left stories in his wake. He lived his life colorfully um, as he could um, and always had great stories to tell when he came home. But, um, and so, I don't know, I lost my train of thought there, but there's, um, yeah, so it, I don't know it's, well, it's sad. You're, you're, you're reflecting on the fact that they don't know him, but that you'd like to keep him alive with some of the stories because they, yeah, and I don't that think I tell them enough. I tell them, I've told that story, I think, to the, the family memories. a couple times, but I, um, and there's other stories. I mean, I joke about his nicknames for me being a little crude mm-hmm. um, and how I took him as a uh, very sensitive teenager. <laughs> um, but, you know, hey, de- dealing well, with grief. So on, on the subject matter of how do you deal with it, I dealt with it. I believed that my father was a Christian. I believe that my dad is in a better place. I believe he's not suffering anymore. Um, and I hold to that. And for many years after he died, I, you know, every once in a while would, when I was praying or whatever, I'd say, hey, God, say hi to my dad for me or something like that. Still might, but I haven't in a while. Where you miss him is when there's things that mattered, like uh, I need something done on my car. I mentioned I know how to change wiper blades and brakes. Uh, my dad taught me how to change brakes. To this day, the fact that I can change brakes is every time I do it, it's a tribute to my father's memory. But, but the... Um, <laughs> but when I needed to figure out what was wrong with that car, I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with that car. You know, I actually mm. still have some of his tools. Anyway, just <laughs> random things, um, things that outlive him. I think the one thing that I still go back to, though, is, again, as a Christian, I wish it was just cut and dried. I wish it was just, it's a point that a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. Because then it would seem as if that's really the only thing that matters I I do believe it is and yet I think of these tragedies with young ones that you don't know if they've struggled with that yet or if they've been introduced to that yet older the older you get likely you've heard you know the gospel at least in America maybe but if they haven't is that is that what's happening to them as they have crossed over so to speak you know those things go through my mind because then you want to comfort the family with you know, you'll see them again, but you can't always do that. Not in, in, in our line of work, you, you have to be real. You can't be false with them at the same no. time as you want to bring them some type of comfort. And that's a little bit difficult. We've had to deal with that in the past. Well, we've, um, we've already touched on bringing comfort. There's really nothing more powerful than your presence when someone around you is hurting. Um, I remember the day. that I found my dad's picture in the bedroom and I grieved. Like I told you, it was six months. Yeah. He didn't say a word. 
You just came in there and you realized what was happening. You sat down. You held my hand. <laughs> Stupid. I mean, it's like 30 years and that story that's rings as if it long. happened yesterday. You know? Um, well, that's, I guess, what I was trying to say. You, you, you hold him in your heart, so you never forget him. No. And those experiences shape you. They don't necessarily do... Yeah, dad's in your head. Um, they, they, I'm my thoughts are my prayer is I guess that it helps you to help someone else you yeah. know in that situation and definitely in our line of work we have we have to help those people face it but there's some really tragic circumstances that there's no, no there's no experience that could uh, equate yeah I lost so yeah so you tell that story I lost my dad he was young, so it was a shock to us. He's not been alive. He should very well still be. My mother's 83 years old. She's still kicking. She's still yeah, barely yeah. met her grandchildren um, <laughs> The uh, because we live so far away from her. But uh, when it happens like it happened in Seattle on, on Saturday and in Missouri on Monday or Sunday, um, and you're young and it's sudden and all of a sudden life's snuffed, there's, there's shock with yeah. that. I mean, like I said, when my dad died, there was still shock, but it was it was this long process of just kind of it becoming. Yeah. Um, the 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 treatment doesn't change. Being with people, um, being a presence, assuring words when asked or required, knowing when to present those is. Yeah. It's difficult. I think you still are better off to say little or nothing other than, I think the most powerful thing you can say is, I love you, I'm here. You know, something along those lines. It doesn't make a promise or doesn't, you know, you know, but, you know, you can, you're still going to point people to hope if they, if they have belief in, in Christ, you're still going to say to them, you're still going to say, you know, blessed are those who sleep in the Lord. But that's what I want to get back to. This <laughs> is turn the corner real quick. Um, rather than me retaliating and fighting someone that you love dearly that died and asking you to tell a story about how much you miss them. <laughs> the, um, actually, it's stupid because I was thinking about how dear um, Grandpa Charlie was to you because I got to meet him in the last part of his journey here on Earth. And the man who outlived, how many women did he? <laughs> three. He yes. had three wives. That's right. My wife is on, my wife, my mother's on track to outlive three husbands. Um, but uh, the... Um, the question of what we look forward to um, is really the thing that gives me hope. It's not, yeah. oh, there's harps and clouds in heaven. There's a new heaven and a new earth. So the whole, a new heaven and a new earth in the sense that God is going to restore, bring justice. Justice means yeah. to make right, to make new, to make things the way they ought to be, to rectify that which is broken and make it right. And so the um, it's, it's got retributiveness. What's, what's, where justice is retributive? Retributive? <laughs> is that a word? Is where it punishes that which is not right and moves it out of the way. And so ideally, you know, if you're bringing justice to a criminal, you want to punish them for the wrong and that wrong gets washed away and they're now restored. Human beings are a little more complicated at this stage of the game. But ultimately... When God restores heaven and earth, he's going to wipe away that which is not good, and he's going to create good. So to me, 
do dogs go to heaven? Well, God created the earth with all the animals and all the, I think even trees get to go to heaven. You know, we're going to have <laughs> the best coffee in the world because um, it won't be diminished coffee. It'll be current coffee. Um, that's a joke that someone told once and it's just stuck with me. But um, the, um, the idea is that, that one day, you know, we'll live in a, in a place where life isn't but a grasp of smoke, a puff of smoke or a, a grasp of wind. It'll be something that is um, permanent and without tragedy. Yeah. And so my dad will be there. Well, and and um and, and Charlie will be there. Mm-hmm. And um the, and Zella's friend will be yeah. there. You and, talk about uh, presence because I think that's the one hope that Christians hang on to is that God will be there and God will be approachable and God in in the sense that we know Jesus will be the the Bible talks like him being the light of that place, so there will no, no be no false, no need for, you know, making things uh, out of nothing. Whatever. Well, what? <laughs> Talk about take a turn. This mm-hmm. morning I was reading in Exodus, and the honor of being in God's presence is something that we take lightly. And and I think again, being a Christian and on this earth, these are the things that I want to struggle with, so that in death I don't question or worry or fear that there's anything but having known what we know now will also be when we you know die but anyway that that chapter it's an extreme situation of Moses on Mount Sinai and and God saying tell the people not to even touch the mountain not even basically I guess put their foot near the beginning of the mountain wherever that might be because they'll they'll die up to death, and I and the indication in that is unless they have an invitation into my presence, there's death. In other words, you can't approach what is not you've not been invited to. So I think as Christians and as as people on this planet, that's our highest privilege is to realize that God has invited us into His presence and to start that now is to keep that going into eternity. So I, I'd love that to be the comfort that, that God's presence is going to be the same here, but it'll be even closer there. You know, that it won't, though there won't be those kind of adjustments won't have to happen. We won't, we won't be separated anymore. Like you're saying from those that we love, but also from the true knowing, knowing good. You were talking about good being made right. Well, we're supposed to have known good. The Bible says God is the only good. So everything else will be wiped away, but good will be so present and so real. You know, I know that's way off topic, but I just, it, it was overwhelming to me this morning to think of that invitation. And I don't, I just don't want anyone on this planet to miss that invitation from God to be in his presence. Because that's what this whole existence on this earth right. is about, is knowing and and receiving that invitation and then therefore because of that being made right so that justice will be well so that it lands on Jesus basically but <laughs> yeah i i don't i cannot think of death without thinking of those things and i guess that's that's what's difficult because you, for people who don't um understand salvation or believe the way the bible teaches about death or about eternity it's hard to deal i think it'd be even hard to give them comfort i think that's what i guess i'm trying to well say. no there's 
I have a friend who's got no belief in the afterlife and pattern after losing his mother has been he's gone from seemingly stable to homeless and not able to hold down or find or, there's just no hope mm -hmm. and he would tell you that um, it's it's a bleak bleak thing to see that this fleeting existence is the beginning and end of it all mm -hmm. you know besides the fact I think it's philosophically shallow but it's, it's but yeah, some people choose to believe it because they're yeah. you know they're they're prominent you know, atheists who say no I'm fine I'm fine with it just ending but they're not how could you be that's baloney yeah nobody and, and I you know the, there's <laughs> yeah what is it I've the proverbs say a fool has more hope than a man who is wise in his own eyes yeah. <laughs> um, so you know people who think they figured it out are the most dangerous people in the world you know we're we're even when I talk about heaven and new heaven and new earth we got no ideas we've got hints the scriptures tell us hints and that's mm -hmm. from and we we've, we've accepted and believe those things um, philosophically I think it can be with relative certainty argued that there's something bigger than this life C.S. Lewis even said that, you know that we're the, the fact that we have a yearning for more indicates that we were made for something else mm -hmm. and um, and other there's just there's just not it is not the dominant thought process that it is just as finite as that yeah and um either men are incredibly stupid <laughs> or well, yeah, something well we are but not when it comes to i, I think <laughs> but we're also made in the image of god so we've got a sense like yeah. you're saying of bigger of of more of what god would like us to understand and yet we're too in uh, we're too finite we're too limited to see and understand fully yeah i think we're digging in deep well, the thing about that is, though, I pre I want to be prepared. It's this we're not promised, we're not guaranteed to walk out this door safely. We're not guaranteed to get up from these chairs safely. You know, in other words, it there's no absolutes about how yeah. long your life's going to be. So to know and pre be prepared in that way to think about eternity is is something everyone needs to deal with. Right. The sad thing is we don't deal with it until we have to, and then it's not the right time because then it's panic, then it's, like you said, trauma, it's shock, it's adjustment, it's major life issues that change. And to me, in some ways, that's too late because now you don't have a choice. But if you could deal with it before, if you could consider that eternity is bent in the heart of men, like you said, yeah, um, sure. from Ecclesiastes. Um. Yeah, I was thinking just now as you were talking. It's like all of a sudden people are going through my mind losing my friend Doug. You yeah. before last, uh, Lou Gehrig's ALS. But see, there's an exact example there's of what a good I'm example saying. Of somebody who died well. Yeah, I think, and and was prepared, and wanted to help others. Process accept well. and process before he uh, before he passed away, and it did. We were all sad, but we. We knew Doug was going, and Doug was happy to go, and he was also in such uh, bad shape on this planet before yeah. he did that we were ready for him to be freed of that. And sure. and things about the eternity they looked forward to were going to be freedom for him. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that was all a good exercise in Our this, kids still this can't have a hard limited. time processing. Yeah, or thinking of the fact that he's gone. 
and you know he left behind a family of much of youngins um, who in so many ways sped up life and responsibility in order to give him grandchildren and mm-hmm. you know, f- weddings to go to and and so I you know I pray for their families to do well and um, and his champion wife Chris it, it's it's just um, man we live each day I'm gonna I'm gonna crawl back to Ecclesiastes which chapter 3 is the most quoted Ecclesiastes there's a time to live there's a time to die you know, there's a time to plant there's a time to reap there's, um, there's a time you know time 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 mm-hmm. the, the, the theme of the book is that there is nothing in this life worth pursuing because all of us come to an end but because of God, there will be a time when enjoying all things will have no end. Therefore, in this life, which is out of your control, <laughs> don't miss the moments that matter. And don't miss dealing with what will you do at the judgment. That it will, because it's inevitable that, like you said, things will be made right. Don't miss the invitation to be with Jesus now to let him yeah no be life your is, answer to judgment life now is so much better with jesus i can't imagine <laughs> you know yeah. what it would be without hope but there are so many who live it that way and yeah. um and I, and I mean i'm getting we're getting older so we watch teenagers and 20 somethings go i'm gonna try without for a while mm-hmm. and we hear of adults who say jesus doesn't mean anything to me i'm gonna leave him now people get so wrapped up and absorbed in their own pain they blame god for stuff that's really most of the time their own fault um but or just that they're not processing the pain in their lives yeah exactly it's the disappointments it's sometimes the expectations of what they want from people who proclaim to be christians who i don't i don't know what i was thinking about that today i want to write a note to um a friend of mine who's seeming like walking away from faith and and say I know I've disappointed you I know that I could not have lived up you know to whatever it was that you need from me because that's not ever something I I have focused on I focused on trying to love you know love you but it's not going to be in the way you desire anyway I was just thinking that that's exactly where people walk away and don't don't trust in Jesus, but it's because of their own blindness and their own decisions to trust themselves. And that, it makes me sad, but it does make this life a lot harder, I think, and a lot less able to, if they've got to struggle through those kind of pains, those kind of things, what will they do, you know? They've, they've got other pain in other situations, but I have a feeling that would be a worse time. We'll pray for them, I guess, and <laughs> hope that God can... Well, I guess this has been cathartic in that it has been a difficult week with some <laughs> many, many too many tragedies in one week. I mean, just any tragedies too many. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, I our prayers for Seattle families who were affected. Um, well, in the as synagogue well as for the families. And the, yeah, synagogue. Oh gosh, we totally didn't mention that that same day. Yeah, that was that was Saturday. The morning we started with people getting shot in a synagogue and. Mm-hmm. Same number of injuries. There was four. Well, shot, and it's appropriate that we talk this way because the Holocaust was recently um, 
the anniversary, anniversary yeah. or whatever was remembered, and today is the uh, National Day of Prayer. It brings us to what is real. And what is real is what we don't look at or what we don't see around us. It's what eternity brings us. And we, so these things are very real. They're just not something we have to all the time struggle with, I guess. Of course, the uh, quote of the week was last week's Game of Thrones episode when Aristarx asked, what do you say to death? Which she's quoting from her trainer in the earlier parts of it I found out later on. What do you say to death when death comes for you? You know, she, not today, unfortunately. Um, Don't know that, that was Even choice, in that very <laughs> episode, um, many people died. Yeah. <laughs> um, characters on that show, but um, it's kind of interesting. Speaking you know, of we, hopeless, we talk about all of yeah, right. We talk about all this kind of stuff, and even in I bring it up because in, even in our modern theater, the thing that people are obsessed with these days, you know, um, death's a reality. And we all well, we're, we're in, concerned about it. It's in our theater and our literature. It's in our life. We're thinking about it all the time. And how do we get around it? You know, are we going to become Walking Dead? That was what I was say. But isn't it interesting that the themes tend to be that people don't really die; they come back. Yeah, they come or back somehow. That they, rotting yeah. zombie flesh, or or there's always some sort of trick ghost, to bring them back, or or yeah, something, or yeah, um, just constant resurrection. <laughs> it's like reincarnation. I think, well, I think that's yeah. interesting. Even the vampire scenarios or whatever. Of people who can be alive after death, I it, it's obvious, like you said earlier, that we have a sense that it doesn't end at death. Right, but the right. problem is we try to interpret it into this same life again, not realizing that there's it's appointed and a man wants to die, and right. after that the judgment things are going to change after you die. They cannot be the same. But very well, many people try to ignore that. <laughs> I think I'm done talking about. <laughs> tragedy I've had all yeah. of it that I could okay. take it's been I a good day you. today nobody's well, well it's up now we're praising the Lord that nothing's well yeah I mean it's been worse than it could be we, it's kind of interesting because we did um, you mentioned that as we're recording this today's the National Day of Prayer and uh, Micaiah and I while we were in Seattle we did pray for the people that we interacted with today and their safe travel home and, you know we pray all that mm-hmm. stuff um, but uh, yeah yeah so it it's I, you know well, it definitely does not. That we, we, we talked about God last be. week. We said we we're going to talk about communication um, today, and, and oh. but we had these events just kind of <laughs> crash. <laughs> That's not a good metaphor. Um, into into our, world. our yeah, thinking. just directed our thinking. So yeah, with that being said, I think we can wrap this one up for this week. It's gone a little longer, and um, next week hopefully we'll have we have maybe three listeners maybe we'll have four listeners next week and you know we'll take one at a time um i can't believe we've done this will be our ninth episode so next week is a seminal moment where we move into the double digit episode wow episode 10 (laughs) what does it mean to be a 10 that's not the question no because i've only been about a (laughs) 7.5 let's just make sure that you understand i'm on the seventh side (laughs) anyway thanks for sitting down with me at this late moment We'll see whoever's listening next week. Or here, whoever's listening next week.